We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. You just speak positivity into their life and just let them know like, hey, you're doing a great job. It can really help them build that confidence that they need. And again, it just takes time and it depends on the teacher. I mean, there's some teachers that I'm still working with that have not built that confidence yet. But once you do, you'll start to see them be more creative, be more innovative, uh, maybe sharing on Twitter, maybe even speaking at conferences or, hey, I'm going to be the lead speaker, but will you be um, kind of my guide on the side helping share that class? classroom experience where I can help with like the logistics of it. So once you do that, you you really have a lot of teachers that are on your side. But again, it does take those deposits for you to be able to kind of withdraw and see that engagement start to happen. Dr. Chris Jones here and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Stephanie Howell is the CEO of Gold EDU, a founder of Global GEG, and the EdTech lead for Pickerington Local Schools. She is key to the embedding and implementation of EdTech tools across her schools and organizations. She has a master's in curriculum and instruction. I am super excited to talk to Stephanie today because she's got a lot of tech knowledge and specifically the idea of embedding and implementing, which is always important when we're talking tech. So welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you today. So let's start with you telling me a little bit more about your current role, kind of like how you got there. And um, you mentioned that you're the key. So I like that visual of the key unlocking our ability to implement and act on ed tech. So why don't we start there? Okay, so when I first started in education, um, I started as an intervention specialist and I taught inclusion all day. So I was with a regular teacher all day supporting students, all different disabilities, autism. We had students who uh, ADHD, learning disabilities, dyslexia, everything was in our classroom, I felt like. Um, So I was able to support them again in that inclusion classroom. And I really learned that technology could play a key role uh, in their development. It also helped their confidence. So my students, you know, they would come in and 
school was hard. It was not a place where they felt successful. But when I started using Google Classroom, the like old, old Google Classroom, I was able to start to uh, allow choice in their learning. And so one ways that I did that is through like writing. I had my students uh, every Friday work on writing goals. And writing was hard for students, especially if they're on an IEP. Um, Typically, it's hard for regular ed students as well. And so when I was working with these students, we used this thing called Google Classroom, and they had a choice between two different writing prompts that they could write about. Before I introduced and used technology, I had to sit next to my students and give them the feedback. And because of technology, I was able to sit across the room and give them feedback on their documents. I was able to look at it and they didn't need me to sit right next to them where they were kind of used to that. And so they had that independence there. They also had spell check. So they could have that confidence of like, I don't know this word, but I want to try to get my ideas out because a lot of times they were hesitant towards writing things because they were scared that they were going to misspell it or something like that. So that's when I started to see the power of technology um, being played in the classroom was with my own students. And so after seeing that, I went for the role of instructional tech and I got it and I've never looked back. I absolutely love the community, especially like on Twitter. Um, The PLN is amazing. And with being a, a tech coach, I get to support teachers with technology. And so one ways I really started to see that was back, you know, before COVID when technology was like new in the classroom, teachers were scared. Teachers were scared to use it. And so uh, one way that it was the key in that role was I was able to go in and co-teach with teachers rather than just sitting behind a screen or sitting there or giving professional learning. I could go in and co-model with them. I could lead a session with them and they could see it all kind of come together. Uh, We're really focused with personalized learning and blended learning. And so I was able to go in and be one of the station rotations to just help teachers get it off and running, uh, which I, again, coaching allowed that door to open for teachers. They allowed it to see and they had someone to be a thought partner with. They allow, They had someone that could be confidential. They could tell me anything and I wasn't going to tell anybody. Uh, I totally was not going to judge them if they were like, I know we've had Ed Puzzle for two years and this is the first time I've touched it. You know, like I, they, they don't need that. They don't need someone that's going to judge them. So I was really able to just be that person that was going to say, okay, what problem are you struggling with? And let's solve it together. Uh, so that's why I think technology in our district has just gone so well is because of the way that we've been able to implement it. That's a great story. So I'm wondering um, a couple of things. One, what was it that made you realize tech was the key to helping students in in those situations in your class? Was it something you just came across or was it, you know, one of those late nights where you're trying to put something together and you come across something and say, hey, I can try this or was it a build up? Yeah, it was. Okay. So I was a first year teacher. Uh, so I felt like I I was just struggling. Like my first year, I was like, I'm not reaching these kids. I'm trying to fit my teaching model. That's into like everybody else. And it, it wasn't me, you know, like I was trying to do what the teacher next door was doing, but it wasn't working because that wasn't my style. Uh, so I went on Christmas break and I think I worked the whole Christmas break just to figure out like, what is going on? How can I fix this? And I found uh, Pinterest and I was like looking at Google Classroom. I think, I mean, it was pretty brand new that year. And I was just looking at it and I was like, let's, let's give it a go. Let's try it. And so I started and I created my own Google Classroom. I was like, okay, I'm going to get the kids in. 
but it was just struggling my first year of that engagement piece. Like my kids are struggling and I'm not fulfilling their need. And so what can help me get there? Well, cool. was there a point where, was there a point where students started to take the leader? You could see that students were more engaged or empowered with what you were doing in the classroom. Yeah, um, because they had those independence and because I started to kind of focus on some of those executive functioning skills, like when I was teaching direct instruction, you don't need a whole lot of executive functioning skills. Like you can fake it, you know, but when I started to turn it on, you are, you are producing the work, not me. You're going to leave school more exhausted than me. I was really able to start to see some of those executive functioning skills come to life. Now, some of those skills were a struggle for some of my students. I mean, they're a struggle for adults. And so we had to work through some of those like skills of like, okay, they're not motivated. So I've got to set goals with them. Or there might be some students that are acting out or they're super stressed because I gave them this whole to-do list. And so I've got to teach them how to chunk it. And so learning those different like coping skills and skills that they needed uh, allowed me to do that. But again, that was kind of trial and error as well. Like, uh, didn't really, like you open, you solve one problem and then like another problem just comes about. Right. And then I was like, okay, well, we got to figure out how are they going to advocate for themselves? If they need a break, how are they going to let me know? Like starting to just build those skills, but they'll need those to be more successful in life than some of the content that I might've been teaching them, you know? That's cool. And as you described that, you described the independence and you're doing the work um, on your own, which then, you know, obviously takes a little bit of a level of engagement. So now I'm wondering, you do this in your classroom. And is there a moment that you remember where you went from doing this in your classroom to, you know, being empowered enough to say, hey, I can take the lead on this on a larger scale? and spread it out to people, which then, you know, we run into the tech leader piece. How did, how did that work out? How did that start? Um, I think because I was co-teaching with another teacher all day, I started to like share some of my knowledge with them. Like, Hey, we should try this or we should do this. And the collaboration, I just loved. I loved working with another teacher. Um, now when I did get out of my classroom, I didn't realize everybody didn't teach like me. (laughs) Um, I thought everybody, you know, had that kind of co-teacher relationship and everybody did certain things that I thought were just natural. And so that was kind of a shock to me. And I just had to realize that everybody is different and we just have to take time to get to know people. And I'm really into personality tests. So I I love um, like the true colors test or the Enneagram. And so I I usually make my staff take it or ask them to take it because it tells you a lot about a person. Uh, There's some people that are driven by like relationships and they need me to stop and just say, hey, how are you doing? You know, and I'm really bad at that because that's not my, I don't care if you ask me how I am. Like, let's just get down to the work. And there's some teacher, a lot of teachers are like that. They're the gold and they want to get going. They want to get forward in the work. And then there's other people that need to think about it. They need to know the why. And so knowing those different personalities allowed me to, okay, focus in on this teacher needs this. And I was able to better serve them and coach them a lot better. So were you, were you encouraged by anybody to step up to that role? I mean, you said you, you know, you applied for it and you got it, but that also takes some type of leadership to recognize or realize that they need that role in the building or in the district, right? Yeah, I think my co-teacher, she kind of encouraged me. She was like, you'd be really good at this, Um, but not until I got into the position. So when I got into the position, I started to get a lot of different mentors and just people because 
I only taught three years before becoming a coach. And so that's pretty young. Um, (laughs) And so I I needed all the help I could get. And so my boss, he's amazing. He has supported me every single step in allowing me to fail forward, like realizing that at the beginning of my career, I did focus on tech tools instead of like the pedagogy and what students need to learn and the problems in education. I was more focused, like I would send out a Google form and I'm like, hey, everybody, how are you on Pear Deck? Rate it one through five. Well, now I'm like, no, we're going to do like a gripe jam where we go in and you tell me what is your biggest gripe in education and let's solve that problem. And so again, that was like a lot of failing, moving forward and failing forward. And then I worked with a couple other um, ed tech coaches in our like department and they really built me up as well. Like they told me um, never go in and just lead a lesson always plan with the teacher, you know, like just small tips that you don't really realize that you need, um, but definitely saved me in the long run. Uh, Don't fix the copier (laughs) because if you start (laughs) fixing the copier, they're going to expect that's what your job is. You're going to be break fix and you're not, you're helping with the uh, pedagogy of moving tech forward. So they definitely taught me like those little things of just saying no and having your boundaries up. Because I think being so young and not knowing, I would have been like, I'll do anything, you know, I'll do whatever you need me to do. And then I would have been stuck fixing the copier today uh, instead of moving the pedagogy along. Awesome. And I I love the idea of a gripe jam. Mm -hmm. That's like the best thing. So, well, as long as you move forward from it afterwards, but um, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's Google Focus. Um, So I don't know if you are familiar with the Google Coaches program, um, but they they talk about the gripe jam and yeah. So the Google coaches program, they use a gripe jam to get all of the gripes from the teachers. And I just love that idea. So I started to implement it in my own uh, district with teachers. And sometimes I'll do it at like a beginning of the year PD. If I have that time, other times I'll do it during group coaching sessions, like where I have ELA teachers, all sixth grade together. Um, Sometimes I'll just do it with a new teacher or if I'm building a relationship with somebody. But basically they just sit down and you just kind of use the post-it notes in Jamboard and they write every single gripe. So when you first get to school, what's a gripe? Um, When you're at home, what's a gripe? Um, When you have to call a parent, what's a gripe? And then after they have all of their complaints down, they level them. So like most frustrating to least frustrating. And you can kind of see the scale and it kind of makes it nice because like once they solve that one problem in education, you can kind of go to the next gripe if you wanted to, or there could be a whole new issue. (laughs) And then from there, uh, how many people does it affect? And so once they've got that gripe, you really drill down to one focus. And then that's kind of the focus for that coaching cycle that could take four to six weeks. Um, But I just love it because the answer might not be Pear Deck like it was on my Google form where I was trying to fold people into using something that they didn't need because that wasn't the problem that they had in their classroom. Right. So, so let's talk a little bit more about tech and how you support people in, in using tech and what it actually means. The idea of you, you said that um, you're passionate about blended learning. Blended learning means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, I guess, at different levels. So talk to us a little bit, if you would, about blended learning and maybe some different ways to help incorporate that. Okay. So with blended learning, there are a ton of different definitions. Um, There's a lot of different models as well. And so we kind of start off with station rotation where students are traveling between four different stations. They might have the teacher station, the technology station, the digital content, the independent practice, 
and then like a four C's type of station where they're like maybe doing a project based type of something or some type of creation. And we usually start there just because we want to start with those routines, getting students to know the expectations that they kind of have. And then after that, we might move to like a playlist model. So where students might have like a checklist of different activities that they need to get done before the end of the class period or the week. Um, And then they kind of create their own adventure. We've also used a lot of like roadmaps or game boards where students might start and then they might finish at a certain place. Um, We've done like must do, can do. Again, it just depends on what the teacher's teaching and what's going to be best for that lesson. Uh, So it's kind of hard just to kind of say everybody's going to do this because everybody does a little bit something different. Um, But it works pretty well with the teachers um, and the kids. Like they start to take ownership of their learning. Uh, The teacher is more of a check-in type of station when we get up to like playlists and roadmaps, like the students will come to them because it's all self-paced. They're working at their own pace. So they might come up to them and they might say, okay, here's something I need you to check. They have a quick conference and then they get feedback and they can revise or they can move on. Um, Other things is like a video. And I love this because I wish I would have done this when I was teaching Um, is Recess time was a huge struggle for me. Like I would come in and I would have to deal with the drama from the recess that the kids had. And and so when kids would come in from recess, they would have a video to watch because I could be dealing with that social emotional issue that happened and they can be watching a video. I can do check-ins. And so just kind of thinking about how can technology help to create those small communities or small groups to help those social emotional learning as well. So it's been a really big blessing, especially through COVID, um, because we started it way before COVID, like two years before COVID started that initiative. And teachers have just really adapted. And it's more of a students are the owners of their learning. So this is why, for all my listeners, this is why Stephanie's a coach, because she just kind of gave us a little masterclass in blended learning. So I hope everybody had their pencils out, and they could take notes on that. You just said a ton about students taking ownership of their own learning. I want to take a step back and kind of blow it up to larger scale and how that works because that's that works with teachers doing that with students, right? So they build student leaders who are ready to step out and take ownership of their learning and move forward. I, I want to talk to you about how leaders do that for teachers and get teachers to step out and really take ownership moving forward. But first, I want to take a couple minutes and hear from our sponsors. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that when we come back. Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, the place out-of-the-box leaders in education turn to to grow their leadership skills. Maybe you're interested in making better decisions, creating your ideal week, or building a world-class culture. Learn more at betterleadersbetterschools.com. That's betterleadersbetterschools.com. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. 
Okay, and we're back talking with Stephanie. And um, when we left, we just got a whole rundown about blended learning and how teachers can use it in the class. And she was hitting on the whole idea or the themes of students being independent, being empowered to do the work with choice and things like that. But what I'm wondering, Stephanie, is so leaders, right? How do we how do we do that with teachers to make sure that we're providing teachers the independence they need and not just providing independence because it might be there, but they might not take advantage of it and support teachers to become empowered? Yeah. So empowering leaders and other educators, I think that is a difficult thing to do. And it also takes a lot of time because when I first, you know, became a coach, I was just like, why is everyone else, you know, not doing these things or doing that? But it really takes those deposits. Just like when we go to the bank, we are making deposits in our bank account. You can't withdraw if you are not making those deposits. And so you've got to start with those relationships. Some of the ways that I've done that is like meeting, asking teachers when they're taking like a personal day, like, Hey, is everything okay? You know, just checking in on them. If they have a doctor's appointment that they share this information with you, attending those after school events where it's like baby showers or, uh, weddings, you know, like all of those different things that are after school hours. And yeah, they do take a lot of time, but, um, I started going to those because I wanted to build those relationships with those teachers. And once you do, and you just speak positivity into their life and just let them know like, Hey, you're doing a great job can really help them build that confidence that they need. And again, it just takes time and it depends on the teacher. I mean, there's some teachers that I'm still working with that have not built that confidence yet, but once you do, you'll start to see them be more creative, be more innovative, uh, maybe sharing on Twitter, maybe even speaking at conferences or, Hey, I'm going to be the lead speaker, but will you be, um, kind of my guide on the side, helping share that classroom experience where I can help with like the logistics of it. So once you do that, you you can really have a lot of teachers that are on your side. But again, it does take those deposits for you to be able to kind of withdraw and see that engagement start to happen. So a school with all those deposits, teachers doing the same with students, leaders doing the same with teachers. What, in your opinion, would a school look like in a perfect world for students and teachers? Yeah, I think teachers, they would know their curriculum. They would feel confident about their curriculum. I mean, there's some teachers, I remember my first year, I didn't feel comfortable with the curriculum. And so me teaching from then to now, I was like textbook, like it was scripted, you know, like, what am I going to say? What am I supposed to say now? Like I had to have the paper in my hand where now I can do fun activities like something with a game or something where the students are creating and giving that power over um, because I feel more comfortable with knowing, okay, this is where they are and this is where they need to be because I know the standards better. And so just kind of being there and showing those teachers, hey, I think you'll have a lot more uh, collaboration because they wouldn't be afraid to speak up in meetings. Um, I've seen a lot of teachers that aren't you know, you're like, you're doing great things. Just speak it. Just say it. But they won't because they don't have that confidence. And so just building them up. Another thing that really helped me was the Google Innovator Academy. So I went to Sydney 19 way before COVID and they talk about imposter syndrome. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't know. You know, you first get in and you're so excited, but then you're like, I'm not good enough to go. I, I'm not 
good enough to go to Sydney or Australia or even Google and to be around all these other amazing educators that are doing a lot more things than I am, um, you start to build that imposter syndrome. And so Google talked about this at the Innovator Academy. They actually have a course um, for their Googlers their first year that they have to go through about imposter syndrome. And I started to think about like, why don't we do that for teachers? Why don't they go through that? Like, like you are good enough to be a teacher. You are good enough to do this. And so it's using some of those things that I learned at Google of just like that imposter syndrome and kind of naming it and just kind of like going, okay, what are we going to do to overcome this and build you up? You, boy, it's like the skies just opened up because first of all, imposter syndrome, it's something we always talk about. And it's, it's something people always label and things like that. But I would have never guessed that the Google Innovator program has a course, not just like a how you doing type thing. And this is imposter syndrome, watch out for it, but actual course. And then for you to make that connection and say, why don't we have a course like that for teachers? That's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And I think too, like when you go to Google Innovator, it is a cohort. Like your your Sydney 19, your cohort of people. And you have that, that connection of like, hey, if you ever need anything, you can ask them, you can share with them. And I think too, you have to be real with teachers. Like yeah, I struggled with this when I taught, or I struggle with this now, or I saw a teacher struggling with this and I don't have a solution. What do you think? Um, so really being that thought partner with them can really help too. That's awesome. So we're getting, we're getting towards the end of the podcast. And I have two questions left for you that I ask every person that comes onto the, onto the show. The first one is if you weren't an educator, who, not what would you be? Hmm. <laughs> <The first laughs> that's, like that's usually one of the first reactions I, I always know, get. Right? The whom really gets me. Um, my passion is special education. So I feel like I would really, I would love to, okay, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> <laughs> let, let it rip. I, there's been some really good stuff. Okay. So my passion is special education. So my like dream is to ha- like, I love the adults of special education because they go to school, right? And then they're kind of like out there to find a job or they go to like an adult kind of daycare. And I want to like open up a special needs like nursing home because I just like, I want to live in a nursing home. Like that's like, I'm an old soul. I just want to play euchre all day. Um, I just want to have ice cream and I don't want to have to drive. Like I just want to walk down the hallway and there it is. I want people to come to me. I don't want to go to them. Um, so like, that's like, like my dream is just to like create this environment. That's kind of like a nursing home where it's kind of like a college also, like where it's like a campus style where maybe they're learning life skills or they're doing different activities um, or even just playing games. Like that would be my dream, dream job. <laughs> You're like the first person I've ever heard say they want to live in like a nursing home environment. I want you to just uh, think about that though for a minute. Like right. <laughs> don't have to drive. Right. There's probably a bus that will take you places if you need to go somewhere. Uh, you can get your hair cut. Yeah, right? you're right. Like, uh, food. You never yeah, cook. <laughs> you, you had me at ice cream. When you said that they have ice cream there, you had me. Yeah, that's like my dream. I'm an old soul though. Like uh, when my grandparents were around, I just loved playing cards with them. And yeah, that's just my, I just can't wait. <laughs> so... <laughs> So you've got this idea, 
Yeah, just it, why do you think that is? I'm just I'm just curious. I know you're you're passionate about special education, so there's that piece, that life skill piece, and everything. You would wanna you would wanna open one of these and run one of these, or yeah, um, I really enjoy control <laughs> um, and making <laughs> decisions, and so I'd want to be like the owner type of position there. And then I think I was a provider for adults with special needs, and just kind of seeing the struggle, like. It's scary for a parent when they're used to having that safety net of school uh, being there and then the kid has to like find a job or um, they can't get a job, you know, because of their disability or something like it just kind of depends. And so just that, like, where do they go during that day? You know, Um, so that that's what I want. And I think too, allowing them that independence of living outside of their home to go to this college where parents could come and visit them at this campus type of setting. Yeah. So you'd be, you'd be a safety net for people. Uh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. That's, that's excellent. That's, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. So the last one I have, you're going to have trouble topping the one you just gave me, but the okay. last, the last question I have for you is what's the most important piece of advice you would give to teachers and leaders educators in general, as they work to better support, engage, or empower those that they they lead or teach? Yeah, I think it's building relationships and just through listening. Uh, people will tell you a lot and just listen to their ideas. And if you can, implement them or help them. And just listening, I think, is the best advice. Just sit there, hear what they're saying, and try to take their perspective. Because There's so many different perspectives. And I think sometimes when we make decisions at a higher level, we don't always take in what people are thinking or saying or what it's like because we don't live there every day. So what is a parapros schedule going to be like if we make this decision? What is the bus driver is going to be like if we, you know, just taking in all of the different stakeholders, a teacher and having them all kind of at the table and just listen and build those relationships so that they feel comfortable to talk about those hard conversations and share how they're really feeling about certain things. Yeah. That, that whole empathy piece. And, you know, I, I often say that my job as a principal is to just make sure that I knock down barriers that are in front of people. It's not so much about making decisions for people, but getting things out of the way for people that they might run into to help them out. But that's, that's often that's often difficult if I'm not if I'm not listening mm-hmm. to what people need. So those are really great points. So we've gone we've gone through blended learning. We've gone through the idea of helping special education adults, and then all the way to the importance of relationships and listening. Which relationships we hit on a lot. I you know you've you've said a ton of stuff here. I'm sure that somebody listening to the podcast can take plenty of notes and and learn quite a bit, but you mentioned um, having your group, having a PLN a, a couple of times. What's the best way if somebody wants to reach out and connect with you, maybe, you know, add you to their PLN or, or get into yours? What's the best way to reach out and connect with you? Yeah, I am always on Twitter. Um, so I try to check notifications once a day, though. But that's the best way to probably reach me. And I just love scrolling and seeing what amazing educators uh, are doing around the world and just seeing all those different lesson ideas. So you can always send me a DM or reach me on there. I'm at Mrs. Hal 24 on Twitter. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you today. I was excited to start 
And um, my, I, I've got all kinds of things running through my head as far as ideas and things like that. So I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.